Victoria Stomba is a local Olympic Taekwondo athlete getting ready to represent Puerto Rico at the Games coming up in just 18 days. But she also has a Taekwondo school in the Woodlands. That was what my coach and my, my dad really told me. Was like, do you want to just be whatever or do you want to be the best? And so that kind of, you know, kind of hit me that I want to be the best and um, that's going to require me to be different from my friends. Welcome back to season three of Flame Bears, Keeping the Fire Burning. I'm your host, Jamie. Today, we speak with 30-year-old Taekwondo superstar, Victoria Stamba. She talks about her strong faith being her guide, her Puerto Rican identity, and her strong business sense outside of the dojo. My name is Victoria Stamball. I do Taekwondo. I've been doing it for 20 plus years now. And um, I'm a Taekwondo Olympian. Victoria, how did you get into Taekwondo? I started when I was about eight, seven. I did karate and judo. But eight, I started doing Taekwondo. My parents put me in it because they just wanted us to learn self-defense. And my cousins were doing Taekwondo and so uh, they wanted to make a family thing. And so me and my brother joined Taekwondo because my parents told us to. <laughs> what goes through your mind when you step onto the mat? What do you say to yourself? I have a lot of self-talk. The main thing is, let's do this. You can do this, Victoria. You got this. So I talk to myself a lot and, and just pump myself up or encourage myself saying, you got this. Let's go. You're going to win one uh, round at a time. We'll go from there. Though Victoria grew up in Houston, Texas, she competes as a proud Puerto Rican. I was confused by this. So to find out more, I sat down with George Laws Garcia, the executive director of the Puerto Rican Statehood Council. Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. We've been a territorial possession in the United States since 1898. Puerto Ricans have participated in the Olympics, as well as other international sporting competitions, in both a participation as part of Team USA, as well as participants in a separate team representing the territory of Puerto Rico. And that's pretty significant because obviously a lot of sporting events are a place where a lot of people feel a great amount of pride in uh, cheering for their team. And Puerto Ricans find ourselves in this unique place where we've had opportunities to compete on behalf of Team USA and on behalf of Team Puerto Rico. But for some outsiders, when they see Puerto Rico walking as a team entering the Olympics with its own flag, they somehow think that this means that Puerto Rico is a separate country and that is simply not legally accurate or the case whatsoever. Puerto Rico is a part of the United States as a U.S. territory. The International Olympic Committee is a private organization. And as such, when Puerto Rico petitioned to have a team that it would feel that would be separate from Team USA, and I believe it was in 1948, the U.S. delegation within the International Olympic Committee basically agreed to that. So really, there's no limitation from the perspective of the International Olympic Committee 
to the recognition of uh, political subunits of states to be recognized as separate teams. An example of this is Hong Kong, complete separately than China, even though legally they're part of the same national body. Now that we got that cleared up, let's go back to the beginning. Victoria, tell us about your life growing up. So I grew up with three brothers, one older brother and two younger brothers. So, and my mom and dad. And I I would say I had a very blessed childhood with my family. We would go on family vacations every summer that we would look forward to. And I just remember my mom being a taxi running around with all four of us, taking me to Taekwondo and then taking brothers to soccer and then going to school, taking us, picking us up at different times because we all got out at different times. My mom was literally superwoman. I always wanted to be with my dad wherever he went. I would always go to work with him during the summers every single day. Like I had to, could be like the Home Depot and I would go. Yeah, that was a little bit of my life growing up. Here's Victoria's mom on Victoria growing up. Victoria is the second child of four. My husband coming from a boxer background and I did not come from any fighting background but I will add this as a little girl Friday nights we did go to wrestling matches and we we made it a family thing to go watch Wahoo McDaniel and just different wrestling matches and it was so much fun as a little girl watching that and so when Frank and I my husband, Frank, we wanted the children to do, uh, we put her in karate first, but our family members were in Taekwondo. So then we put our children into Taekwondo because we, again, we had that boxing and the wrestling background. So we, we liked that fighting kind of fans and spectators of, well, me being a spectator. We wanted our children to maybe also for for them to learn and for it to be like a structure way for them to learn different things because Taekwondo, we we, really love and I'm really an advocate for being an older mom. I would tell younger moms, Taekwondo, there's so many perks. It's like an onion. There's so many layers to the that martial arts because uh, there's so many skills that teaches them discipline and how to fight. I know you've mentioned faith is a big part of your life. How do you religiously identify and why is your faith so important to you? I would say that I'm not, I know that sounds, it will sound weird, but I'm not actually, I don't consider myself a religious person. I am a follower of Christ, and that is very, very important to me because I identify as a child of God, and we all are. And so that's where first my my first identity comes from. I think that's the most beautiful thing that we can call ourselves. I look at my faith as a relationship more than a religion. That's the most beautiful thing I think we can have is a relationship with our Creator. And with that, there's nothing else we're missing. So... That's the beauty of life. Another way Victoria identifies outside of the dojo is as a businesswoman. 
August 2020, we opened Believe Commit Achieve. It's a Taekwondo and parkour facility now implementing kickboxing for females only. So <laughs> I'm really excited about that. We started the journey March 2020, right after I qualified for the Olympics, actually. We did it because the Olympics were postponed and I spoke to my husband or my fiance then and his best friend about opening the school that year and we were all on board and so we just went ahead and and did it and opened in august of 2020 august september 2020 and so yeah we'll, we'll be going on two years now so we're we're young and you know the school is a baby still but we're learning and we're growing quite a bit that is so exciting i think it's so impressive when women are also entrepreneurs like that so what's a day at BCA for you? Uh, day at BCA. Good question. So usually my day, I started getting my time in with God and having that time to maybe reflect a little bit and be in the word and then say my prayers, get my smoothie going. And then from there, I, I just start just go full force with phone calls, emails, trying to set up, you know, our school doing different projects so we can get seen more and get more clientele. And then on top of that, trying to communicate with all the other students that we currently have. So it's not only trying to get new clients in, it's trying to stay in relationship with the, the clientele that we already have. So it's quite a bit. And then some days I do teach, but right now I do have uh, some incredible instructors that help me out so that I can focus on getting the, the people in here. But there are days where I have to do all that. And then on top of that, go teach a couple hours. So, oh and then goodness. train. So it can be a, a long day for <laughs> sure. It's that kind of stamina and mindset that got her to the Olympic Games in the first place. So Victoria, can you tell us about your time in Tokyo? Tokyo, man, I look back at it now and I'm like, man, I wish I was there. Or I want to go back. It's a very interesting, I, I would just say ex interesting experience because it's like, I was there with my team, the delegation of Puerto Rico. It was a small one, but at the same time for Taekwondo, it was just me. And so essentially I was by myself. I would see some of the other athletes from Puerto Rico, but it's not like we had time to hang out or do stuff. So I was literally just by myself. And when I went to training, which is basically what we were doing when we were there, I was by myself. It was just me and a coach. It was a lonely experience. That's one thing that I tell everyone. Uh, the experience in Tokyo was definitely lonely. But at the same time, I look back on it and remember the experiences of like being in the Olympic Village and going shopping and mm. taking little COVID missions outside of the Olympic Village, going to <laughs> downtown. My volunteer would take me like at a 10 minute detour around the city and she was the best. And we did, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but she got me udon, two minutes. She, you're like, come on, be quick. We went to go get some udon at a downstairs restaurant. I inhaled it and then we were like, we gotta go. Because we good? have like a time limit. Oh my gosh. She wanted to make sure that I had a little bit of Tokyo experience. Since this season is all about what happens 
after the games, how did you manage to deal with life post Tokyo? I have done this high level competing, high level competing. I mean, just nonstop going to competitions, making weight, flying every single other week, at least once a month, going to a different country. That has been my life since I was 14 years old. So it's been a while. Now, after all these years having that lifestyle and coming out of it, it was amazing. But I come back home and I start almost having a little anxiety of what do I do now? Like, I obviously I have the business, right? But do I like start competing again? Like, do I go to competitions right now? Do I focus on other things that I want to do, like getting into stunts and, and things like that in movies? So it was my prayer for so long, especially in the month of like April, May, of like, Lord God, like, show me what do you want me to do next in my life? Do I continue for another Olympic cycle? What do I do? I don't, I, I'm like, show me a way, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting. I think, you know, the Lord has been placing in my heart a lot of different things, but number one is contentment. Contentment in the present situation and living day by day. One of my favorite Bible verses that I actually hear, have here in my apartment says, rejoice, give thanks in all circumstances for this is Christ's will for you. And so I never really understood that verse until recent, meaning Our number one will, our God's number one will for our life is to rejoice and be glad and give thanks in your day-to-day situations, not for them, but just to live thankful. That's number one. And then from there, God will show you what's next in your life. I do advise for any athlete who wants to go to the Olympics or is going to Olympics or for whatever a reason or sport is always have a backup because you know the olympics is an amazing the one of the most amazing experience you will ever have in your life but remember there's a life after and so always have something kind of in the back of your head brewing for the next step wow well said being confident especially when the future is uncertain takes a lot of work so What have you learned over the years when it comes to managing your mental health? I remember the first time I seeked out a sports psychologist, when the people told me that I need to, it was almost in a negative light. It was almost like there's something wrong with you. You know, you you do whatever during, comp- like it gets to you mentally in a competition. You need to go see a sports psychologist. Everyone should see a sports psychologist. It's not just like there's something wrong with you. You need to go. Everyone, if you, even if you don't do sports, you need to go see a psych, I mean, a counselor. Everybody needs to talk to someone. There's this ideal that talking to someone, a counselor, whoever it may be, means that there's something wrong with you and you're weak. But in reality, it's the strong people who have the vulnerability to say, you know what, I want to be better. I want to get better in this area of my life. I want to talk and seek out professional advice and, and help. And then after my knee, sur- my sixth knee surgery, I knew like I need, a, I need to talk to someone because 
I don't feel confident in myself anymore because I just had a, my meniscus taken out and what am I doing, you know? And uh, so that was a crucial part of my journey and leading up to the Olympic qualifiers. We have the skills we know and we can be confident in our skills, but then there's other things that we have to worry about, like politics and then injuries and, you know, family relationships, things that we're going with that can affect us. Those are the differences when it comes to competing on fight day or competition day is some of the things that we might be going through that no one knows, but that can affect our performance 100%. At the end of every episode, we provide athletes with the opportunity to ask our listeners to take one action after listening. So what is the one thing you want our community to do after hearing your story? So one thing for me that I've been diving into more is is being more of a, a servant to, towards other in the sense of being aware of the people around us. Because I think so many of us are, we're in a rat race and we're like doing our thing and we're on the r- rise and grind of like, I got to do this because I got to do it. <laughs> or we're on our phones all day looking down at our phones or we have our headphones on and we're like tuned off to the world when there's so many little things that we can do that's an act of, of humility. The beautiful thing about humility is that's where happiness comes from. There's so much anxiety and depression in the world, right? And so we ask, how can we be happier? It's not in money, it's not in, in prize, it's not in going to the Olympics, you know, that, that lasts for only a little bit. but. A lasting happiness comes through humility. If we can open our minds out and be aware of other people and little things, I think it can make us a little happier. For those in the Houston, Texas area, be sure to support Victoria and check out BCA in person. We'll put the details in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to Flame Bears, keeping the fire burning. For more behind-the-scenes coverage, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching for Flame Bears. Thank you to my amazing teammates, Marissa Potter and Lizzie Michael. And thank you to my mentors, Dino Catano and Emma Minto. We'll catch you on our next episode.